Hello and welcome to Scurvy Companions, the No Sweat Shakespeare podcast. I'm Emily, and today I'll be talking with No Sweat Shakespeare's very own Ralph Goldswain. Ralph taught English literature in England for four decades. During the 1980s, he was seconded to the National Shakespeare in Schools Project, where he helped develop methods of teaching Shakespeare to bring plays to life in the classroom. He went on to work at the London Education Authority, where his focus was working with teachers to make Shakespeare lively, comprehensible, and enjoyable for their students. He has created and delivered Shakespeare workshops for both teachers and students, and still regularly visits schools in the UK and Europe to address groups of teachers. Today, Ralph and I will be talking about an upcoming event, Shakespeare's birthday. April 23rd marks Shakespeare's 457th birthday, and oddly enough, also the 405th anniversary of his death. So we thought we'd take a dive into his early life in Stratford-upon-Avon, including his parents and schooling, and then discuss his later years, when he retired from the London Playhouses and joined his wife and children in Stratford. We'll be asking questions like, what kind of family was Shakespeare born into? What shocking event happened to make his father retire from public life? And what does Shakespeare's will say about his marriage? So without further ado, here is Ralph. Hey there, Ralph. How are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Emily. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you doing? I, I am doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited because coming up soon is Shakespeare's birthday. And that's why you've come here to talk to us about Shakespeare's early life in Stratford when he would have been born. And then his life um, uh, toward the end of his life in Stratford as well. Um, and you have a ton of knowledge about this subject. So thank you so much for coming on to celebrate with us by sharing that knowledge. Well, I, I, I'm not so sure that I have that much knowledge <laughs> because I don't think... It's very, very difficult. Shakespeare is a very difficult person to know. Mm. I think of him as in, an invisible man because although we know he's there, he, he's like a man with an uh, invisible cloak and every now and again he drops it and we get a glimpse of him mm. and then we don't see him again and we have to imagine what he's up to. <laughs> that's and, and the perfect that's way of describing it. And that's what it's like looking at Shakespeare's life and his works as well. And also regarding his works, I'll just say this before we talk about his life. Regarding his works, people, you know, they, they try to categorise. They say, this play was written in that year, produced, uh, performed in that year, that play was written in that year, and so on. And they make a timeline of his plays. But Shakespeare never stopped working on his plays, and he worked with lots of other people. Mm. And in fact, they think now that when Shakespeare arrived um, in his early 20s in London, he already had some plays in his bag that mm -hmm. he had written. Oh, which plays might those have been? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which those plays are. I'm still working on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> a lot of scholars are. <laughs> well, there again, you see, this is what the problem is, that you never know which, um, how to deal with Shakespeare because he's a, this invisible man. But the acting companies, the actors and the various writers working for the companies, they brought ideas in, and then the writers wrote with those ideas. Mm. Sometimes they'd bring a play that they'd done before, particularly the very young ones, and Shakespeare worked in his later life with those young writers that came in with plays, and they'd come in with a play, and then the other writers would have a look at it, and then between them they'd edit it, 
and fashion it into something that they could put onto the stage. And that's how it was done. So to say that Shakespeare wrote this play at that in that date or that date, he wrote King Lear about four times. There are about four different versions of King Lear. Oh, that's interesting. And, because and there are about three or four versions of Hamlet, including uh, writers before Shakespeare that he took the ideas of Hamlet from. Right, the uh, Hamlet, just, right? Yeah, they copied each other and then they worked on their own and then they worked together and then they worked on their own again. And what we have is one of Shakespeare's versions of Hamlet. But there could have been more later that were even better. Mm. Oh, that's <laughs> that's going to bother me for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> but uh, that sort of ambiguity does carry over into his early life as well. So tell us about April 23rd is what's commonly accepted as both his birthday and his death day. How accurate is that? Um, I, th I think it's probably... Um, I think it's probably quite accurate mm -hmm. because um, we know his baptism date, right? We know he was baptized on the 26th. Mm -hmm. And it was usual or customary to uh, baptize a child on their third day. Mm. And then, of course, again, being an invisible man, we don't know, but this has become um, traditional. We now celebrate his birthday on the 23rd. Whether it is, it's like, you know, our queen has a birthday one day, her own birthday, and then she has a, a kind of official birthday right. at another time. So it doesn't matter when Shakespeare was born, but you can be sure that he was born a few days before the 26th. Well, then that sounds about as close to accurate as we can get. Um, so how about other details about kind of the world that he was born into? So he was born in Stratford-upon-Avon to John Shakespeare and Mary Arden. Can you tell me about the, the Shakespeare's and the Arden's at that time? Yeah, well, well Mary Arden, well, John Shakespeare, uh, John Shakespeare had a very, very good marriage. He did well for himself, <laughs> uh, just like his son. Yeah. Um, mm. William Shakespeare inherits from his father a very, very uh, shrewd mind when it comes to business and financial opportunities. Yeah. And um, Mary Arden was a, one of the Ardens of Warwickshire. She was in a minor kind of branch of the Ardens, but she still, they were a family, they were, they were landed gentry. Mm. And those people had enormous respect. They liked the people in Jane Austen's novels, you know, with yeah. a big house. And lands and a farm and, and, and sheep and cattle and all that kind of thing. Mm. And so she was one of those people. And um, uh, re, re, um, John Shakespeare's father was a farmer in a place called Snitterton, which is oh. a village two miles from Stratford. And he was a successful farmer. And his son, John, then went to Stratford uh, to start a trade of making gloves. And he met, I don't know how he met Mary Arden, but he met <laughs> Mary Arden and he married her and she brought with her some money and property to the marriage. So he was able to buy a big house, in Hen the house in Henley Street, which is now the, the birthplace trust building. Mm -hmm. And he bought the house next door and he transformed it into a big house, the two houses together. He cut through the walls and made it into one big house. Oh, wow. And, um, and he conducted his business from there. He made his gloves there, and he sold them 
what they did was like they had uh, what what they did was they displayed them on a windowsill, and he sold them through the window. Oh, and his so he workshop, sold them actually in the house. Yeah, there was a room in the house that was used as his workshop, and of course the children growing up would have been used to going in and out of the workshop, mm. and uh, the, in Shakespeare's plays there's an enormous amount of knowledge shown in his imagery about gloves. And, you know, remember Romeo says, oh, I wish I were a glove. Glove upon that man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's just one of them. There's many of them. And leather, leather, stuff to do with leather as well in Shakespeare and making leather and tanning and all the business of glove making. So one could actually do a whole life thesis just on that in Shakespeare. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to read that book now. Uh, you should write it. Um, but... Uh, but yes, you and, mentioned the children. How many siblings did Shakespeare have? Okay, we start with William. He was he was born, as you know, in April uh, fifteen sixty four, mm -hmm. and he then had two uh, a sister Margaret, who was two years older than him, born in sixty two, and she died a year later mm. in sixty three. And then before that, there was, no, that was Margaret. And before that was Joan, who died in infancy. Then after William, now, now I'm getting into it. <laughs> there was Gilbert, Gilbert born 1566. That's two years uh, younger than Shakespeare. He's the one that went with William Shakespeare to London. And he also became an actor. Did you know that? I didn't. That, I, that's not commonly discussed. That's interesting. He, yeah, he went, he went and he became an actor and he acted all through his life until he died in 1612. That is four years before Shakespeare. Right. And, and he was buried actually in Southwark Cathedral because his brother, William, was by that time a, a rich, prosperous, well-known man around that area. And right. uh, he, he actually paid for his brother to be buried in Southwark Cathedral and for a bell to be tolled at midday. Oh. So, and that was Gilbert. Wow. So, but again, his brother's just as invisible, his brother's even more invisible than him. Because yes. we don't know anything, but we know that he, he did go into the acting profession. But we also know that although Shakespeare had several, had a big company of actors and he, and, uh, he had that all through his career, a company that he was the head of, mm. um, they uh, and they were very loyal to him, and he was loyal to them. We know the names of those those men, right. but Gilbert was never one of them. I wonder why that is. I don't understand that. No. Uh huh. Maybe he just wanted to get away from Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was Joan, born mm. in sixty nine. So there was two Jones. The first Joan died in childbirth. That was their first child. And then there was this one, Joan. And then there was Anne, okay. um, who died at the age of eight. And then there was little Richard, who was born in 1574. Okay. And then Edmund, Edmund, 1580. So oh, those we've were got some Shakespeare character names in here. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's quite a, it's quite a big family. It's interesting that Shakespeare doesn't have any descendants, isn't it? It is, yeah. I, I believe Joan had some descendants for a bit, but I think that they've died out as well. If I'm, I could be wrong. 
you mean Shakespeare's descendants? Yeah, they died out. He had a granddaughter, Elizabeth. Yes. And, she and then, uh, no, she never married. So that was the only descendant that he had. And uh, yeah. 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 This sounds like a family marked by tragedy with the number of deaths of children, but I guess that that's pretty typical of, of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did did you want to go back a moment of uh, about John Shakespeare and how he rose to to such uh, a prominent position and uh, yes, such more? Tell me, tell me about John Shakespeare. So he was a glove maker, but he also held public office. Essentially, tell me about that. Yes, he did. the The, the first one was that he. Well, the thing is that the public office uh, offices weren't paid. They mm -hmm. were they were appointed and they served, they were public servants. Uh, rather mm. like in the UK, you have, you have, uh, you have counsellors, they're not paid, they're just paid expenses, that's all. But they, those are the politicians, the officials eventually become the local politicians if they rise high enough. And uh, John Shakespeare started out as what they call the ale taster. The uh, ale taster? Yeah, he was an ale taster. What the ale taster is, he's a kind of um, inspector of pubs. Oh. Yeah. Okay. In terms of quality, or? Uh, no, in terms of money, <laughs> in terms of in terms of them not cheating anybody and giving everybody okay, a fair deal. Probably yeah? better than. <laughs> Better for the community. Well, that's good. Um, and then, and then, what happened after he was ale taster? So, that, that was in fifteen. That was in fifteen fifty six. And then after that, the, after that, after uh, being the, the ale taster, so so as I say, the ale taster was responsible for weights and measures and how much everything cost and priced and so on. And so he was in, in contact with all the innkeepers and publicans, and he had to go and inspect them. Also, butchers and bakers. And town traders. Mm -hmm. So he had to check that everyone was, was running fair businesses because there was a lot of corruption and cheating and stealing. And in fact, John Shakespeare was involved in that himself later. Really? Um, yeah. In 1558, he was made the borough constable, which is like the chief of police. Mm. Uh, but it's, oh. not, it's not to do with uh, laws that people break. It's to do with, like, if you think, for example... There's no law probably against um, something like spitting in the road. I don't know if there is in your country. I don't know if there is here, but I have let's, to say, <laughs> let's say there isn't a law, but mm. everyone agrees that, that it's not a decent thing to do in society. Right. So, so the chief constable's job was to actually pull people up for those kind of things. Wow. It's like, yeah. It's like something minor, like breaking the speed limit, you know, or something like sure. that. Sure. Oh. Or parking in the wrong place, like a parking. parking. Yeah. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, the, the minor things. Yeah. Then he became a Burgess, which is like a town councillor, mm -hmm. and then a Chamberlain, which is like a, a higher one, and finally in six, uh, 1564 um, he became the uh, alderman. And then later on, he became the, the chief alderman, so which meant that he was the mayor. Wow! And he acted as the mayor right. for a long time. That 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 title was called 
the high bailiff, and he was appointed that um, uh, when Shakespeare was four, when mm. William was four. And then William, because he was the high bailiff, his children were allowed to go to the local school, um, which was the, the new King's School. And um, so the boys went to the school, and Shakespeare had something like seven years of schooling, Really, I was really. Ask you to tell me about his school. So yeah, tell me about his school. Well, his school and the guild hall uh, mm -hmm. were in the same place, in the same building. They have different parts of the building, and the boys would would go to school six o'clock in the morning, and they would uh, uh, be dismissed at six o'clock in the afternoon, oh. in including Saturdays. Really, six and days a week. Yeah, and there they would do um, they would do Latin and Greek and mathematics, and they would do some history, and above all, what Shakespeare really took to apparently, obviously, drama. And they used to put on they actually actually used to put on school plays. Oh, and because his father was the um, because his father was the high bailiff, the mayor. He was in charge of the guild hall, which is like the city hall. He was in charge of the guild hall. And um, the people, uh, traveling players, had to audition in front of him. And if he liked it, then he would let them put the play on in the town. Oh. And so the, William, uh, the boys in the school were able to watch the uh, traveling players come and do their stuff. So oh, Shakespeare, well, that makes sense that Shakespeare would have gotten a, a taste for that. Yeah, that, that, I mean, and there are a lot of things also, as you know, Shakespeare is a, the greatest storyteller ever. Mm. And, um, and he, they, they did, uh, Ovid um, was one of the main things in the curriculum. And Ovid, of course, is full of wonderful stories. Yeah. And a lot of Shakespeare's stories come from Ovid. I mean, the, the story that, that he satirizes Pyramus and Thisbe in A Midsummer Night's Dream, you know, yeah. with the rude mechanicals where they put on a oh. play of Pyramus and Thisbe. Well, that's just, yeah, that's Ovid. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, well, Shakespeare sure makes it unrecognizable as Ovid. <laughs> yeah, and also they, they, had to, um, they had to copy out passages of Homer. They had to learn stuff by rote, you know, from the classics. From the Latin playwrights, and they did the Latin and the Greek plays and everything as well. So you can see that Shakespeare. When people tell you, uh, Emily, that Shakespeare wasn't educated and he couldn't have written those plays, you can tell them that he was very educated because not only uh, did Shakespeare have that kind of background at school, mm. but he was very, 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 very bright, and he had a great uh, memory and had, had a great imagination. And uh, and he was also a fanatical reader. Mm. When you think of all later on, you know, you see that you see the influence of various writers, even writers. He was reading classics. He was reading old stuff, medieval stuff. He was reading Chaucer, and he was also reading books that had just come out. He spent a lot of time reading. Yeah, I don't you know could find it, all of that in his plays. Yeah. So that was Shakespeare's school. He had to leave school when he was 16 because his father fell out of favor. He was, well, John Shakespeare was quite dodgy. He was accused of um, 
of illegal trading in corn. Oh. In, sorry, not corn, in wool. Illegal mm. wool. It was illegal to trade to trade wool without a license. You had to be a, some kind of sheep farmer or something like that. You had to get a license to trade in wool. But John Shakespeare traded in wool without being able to get a license. And, oh. and so you. he eventually stopped going to meetings and he also stopped going to church. Oh. Even though it was illegal not to go to church, he stopped going to church and he stopped going to council meetings because he was afraid that he would be arrested if he did. Oh. So he hid himself away at home. That's quite a fall. <laughs> he, he locked himself in. <laughs> no. Oh, gosh. How old was Shakespeare when that would have happened? Well, <laughs> Shakespeare was 16 when that happened. Okay. And, and Shakespeare left school, but amazingly, immediately found himself a woman. And by the time he was, when he was 18, his first child was born. <laughs> yeah, that's a quick turnaround there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and coming to his relationship with Anne Hathaway. So that's the woman he married. And then not too long after they, they had children. And then he went to London. And then he, at the end of his life, retires from London and comes back to Stratford. Um, and a, a lot of people, I think, have talked about his relationship with Anne Hathaway with a, a fair bit of confusion because there is so little known about it, except for in his will, he gives her his second best bed. Do you have anything to say about about that? Because there's a lot of speculation as to what that might have meant. Well, it, it, it's, it's very, I think it's quite clear what it meant. Mm. Because you have to go back to what was customary. You must remember that Shakespeare was one of the most wealthy men in Stratford. Right, by the end of his life, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, we're talking about his will, right? By the time he died, when he died, because he continued to get wealth after he came back to Stratford, because he, he carried on trading. He, Shakespeare was a genius businessman as well as a genius writer. And he carried on working and trading and speculating and investing. He had massive quantities of... of um, of fields around. I think, didn't you recently do a, a piece about how wealthy was Shakespeare? I didn't write that one, but it was on the no. site, yeah. Oh, right. Well, well, the thing is that, that uh, Shakespeare owned a lot of land around Stratford, mm -hmm. uh, and he, he had a house in London as well, in the Blackfriars, the guild, the, uh, the, uh, the gatehouse. Uh, oh, the gatehouse, yeah. He never lived there, but he bought it. Um, we don't know why he bought it. Maybe he intended to live there. And I, yeah. I, my feeling, Shakespeare never really retired. Uh, again, mm -hmm. invisible man, he was, kept on going back to London and he kept on working on plays with younger playwriters. Uh, and, but he, um, he never, never really retired apart from two years before his death where I think, and I don't know, I may be, may be wrong about this, my guess is as good as anyone else's. I think he was forced because he, he, he was a compulsive writer and a workaholic. Yeah. I, I think that he went back to Stratford because he was sick. That's what I think. Oh. Well, and that's interesting because we're not sure exactly how he died, right? No, we're not sure how he died. Nobody knows. But there is, 
I mean, he could have died of many things. Some say he died of syphilis because he was something oh. of a philanderer. <laughs> uh, he had lots of girlfriends and that. And there was also a flu epidemic at the time of his death. Uh, mm. uh, some say he died of alcoholism because the uh, actors, I don't take, I don't bite on that one too much because I think that Shakespeare had a reputation of not being as wild as the other writers. Most mm. of them died before the age of 30. The life expectancy was only 33, you know, the yeah. general life expectancy. And most of those famous names like Hayward and Middleton and all of those people, Webster, and they all were about 28, 29 when they died. And, and they died. I mean, how old, the math is tricky for me here. How old was Shakespeare when he died? 52. He was an old man. So when, when he was 50, I say two years before his death, and he went back and he decided that he was, he, he went back permanently. I mean, he, he did go back before that. He went back about uh, 1611, but he kept on going back to London, kept on going back to London and still working with his company. Mm. And like, for example, they, 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 there was a, um, the king wanted a performance. They wanted a performance of his new play, um, The Winter's Tale. Yeah. Um, and um, the company, I think, asked him to go back and help them prepare for it. Because if you're performing for the king, you've got to get it perfect. And yes. they were nervous about this new play of Shakespeare's. They were nervous about that. And he went back to London and he helped them to prepare it. It's such a thing. different play, so that makes sense. <laughs> he, yeah, he, um, uh, the, the, he performed 14 times in front of the king, 14 mm. times. And the king knew him, and when he went back to Stratford, he was regarded as a dignitary, not because he was a famous writer. They didn't know much about that in Stratford, but because of his connection with the king. He was, mm. uh, he was termed servant of the king and he wore wow. the king's livery when he went to uh, when he when he when he went to court he wore the king's livery which was a scarlet outfit and he had to go on parades with the king and his servants with his scarlet people don't know that about shakespeare but there no. are reports of those things so anyway they're coming back to the will no mm -hmm. when you say he's dead there was a flu epidemic at that time there was possible alcoholism, and there was um, uh, an outbreak of typhus at the time as well. And wow. that may be why his grave wasn't the normal six feet, but they dug his grave 17 feet deep. And that what they did to prevent infection. It was like it is today. With the, It's very similar to the plague and typhus and that kind of thing. Very similar today, they take enormous precautions about mm. infection when you've got a pandemic, an epidemic. And okay. what they did there was dig the graves 17 feet to prevent infection. Oh, so that makes sense. So that may be why how he died with typhus. And and what does his gravestone say as well? He's, well, he's, he's, he has a curse on there for anyone who would move, <laughs> anyone who would move his bones. Yeah. He says that. Yeah. So he, he gave us all those wonderful works, but he didn't give us himself. He didn't give us his body at all. Yeah. Anyway, so he 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 in he was 
he was very wealthy and um, he had a, a wonderful house and he, he had to show off everything. The Elizabethans, if you go to Stratford, when you come to, to England, you'll definitely mm -hmm. go to Stratford. I will. And you should have a look at the No Sweat Shakespeare tour that Edward and I did. Um, oh, I will, definitely. There's yeah, a whole Stratford section of the site. Yeah, we went to Stratford and we uh, and we went on we went on a whole big tour of everything and we gathered notes and that and so we took we took very careful note of the, what they were telling us and we discovered that Shakespeare was, in fact, a wealthy man who ran a wealthy household with all the things that wealthy people were supposed to have and to do. So one of the things that they did if you had enough room, if you had a big enough house and you were wealthy, is that you had a guest room. Mm. And you had your best bed was not touched by the family. It was, in fact, kept in the guest room. So whenever you had a guest, the guest slept in the, in the best bed. Oh, that's nice. And the, the, the couple, the, 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 the master and mistress of the house, had the next best bed. So and there's the second so best bed. So as soon as I leave my bed to my wife, he says my second best bed because best bed was a guest bed. So um, he he left his second, and this is the bed that they slept in. This is the bed where they conceived their children and all that kind of thing, where they lived as husband and wife. And he left that to her. But uh, people say also, oh, is that all he did? Left her a second best bed? But no, she was entitled by law to one third of his whole estate. Mm -hmm. And also, she was entitled to the use of the matrimonial house for lifetime. And there's something almost poetic then about, about giving her the second best bed, the one that they shared together. Yeah, so the one they shared together sounds very romantic, actually, rather than dismissive. Oh, well, then that's even more beautiful. It sounds like he would have retired into a pretty good standing with his family, a wealthy man, and um, and and died pretty old around April 23rd. Yeah. Amazing. Well, that has been a beautiful sort of summary of, of Shakespeare's life in Stratford, so the beginning of his life and the end of his life. Perhaps soon we'll get you back to talk about the middle of his life in London, which is full of its own mysteries and intrigue. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ralph, for joining us. This has been wonderful, and happy birthday to Shakespeare. Yes, happy birthday to, to William Shakespeare. And uh, and you take care now, uh, Emily, and I hope that you're going to thrive and, uh, and come to England as soon as you can. Oh, I hope so, too. Once this darn pandemic gets out of the way, I'm there. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Scurvy Companions, the No Sweat Shakespeare podcast. If you're interested in learning more, check out our site at nosweatshakespeare.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We look forward to talking Shakespeare with you again soon. <laughs>